0: I want you to watch this video clip as an introductory to the sermon because there's a number of things that we have to recognize um, where our choices are concerned that no matter what happens, we have a choice to make. Heavenly Father, I pray as I preach your word that, Lord, it would come across clear. That, Father, it would find the mark in each of our hearts that it's meant to. Lord, we may be in many different situations in life, But, Father, you know exactly where we're at, and your word can come, and it can touch us in those places, Lord, and it can guide us and lead us into, Father, your life and your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So Genesis 2-9, we've been in our series on the tree of life, and today we're going to talk about it's our choice. Say that with me. It's our choice. Let's do that again. It's our choice. Got to do it again. It's It's our our choice. choice. Our response comes from us. It's not, you know, we can let outward things affect us, but we choose in the midst of those outward influences on how we're going to respond. We choose that. That's what that video clip was introducing. We choose life over death, we choose blessing over death. Over cursing, We choose joy over sorrow, triumph over struggle, prosperity over setback, freedom over bondage, gain over loss, success over failure, pleasure over misery, thrill over sadness, delight over agony, agony and victory over defeat. Can you say amen? amen? Deuteronomy 30 and 19 says it's our choice. It says this, this day I call heaven and earth. Am I real loud? It's okay out there? Because I sound really loud up here. Can you take some echo out of that for me? Uh, this day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses now. Say now. It says choose life so that you you and your children may live. When we make a choice, it doesn't just affect us. It affects those who follow us. Can you say Amen. The choices we make have a profound effect on our lives. So we dare not make uh, decisions without weighing the cost. If we make wrong choices, they can lead us in the wrong direction. The choices that we make affect those around us and often bring consequences and reveal attitudes within us. Every choice that we make must be lined up and examined by God's word if we are to follow in his ways. So, here's the deal. We can't listen to uh, people that might lead us astray from the Word of God. You, You don't want to listen to people who are insecure, if you will, because here's what happens is they will lead you down a road that causes you to operate out of fear in life rather than faith. I'm not talking about a fluffy kind of faith. I'm talking about faith that is rooted and grounded in what God's Word says and prayer that connects with him so that it's not just the Logos, a written word that you're reading, but a, a word that comes to life in you because the spirit of God brings it to life. It's revelation, not just information. Can you say amen? amen. So um, a few things I want to do, but right here, how important it is to have the word of God in our life. And God declares to us that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That it lights the steps that we're taking and it illuminates the path that we're on. It actually can cause us to see exactly where our destination is, but it makes sure that it's lighting the steps we're taking so that we can actually arrive there. I want you to do this. Tell your neighbor this. It's time to make a choice because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We need to stand for something and we make, make our choices count. And how do we know what the right thing to stand for is? You know, if you, if you stood for what this life offers and what, you know, do you, you watch TV? Does anybody watch TV? Who watches TV? Oh my gosh, do you all understand that liars go to hell? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all watch TV at some uh, How many of you love commercials? Raise your hand if you absolutely love commercials. Now, people are trying to sell you something every turn you go, right? They're trying to get you to make a choice, correct? They want you to make a choice to buy their product. They want you to buy into what they're selling, right? Here's the cool thing. What Jesus came to sell costs you nothing but cost him everything. I mean, there's no greater, there is no greater purchase. Here's what it costs you, if you will. It just costs you an accepting of what he has offered by entering into relationship with him. The greatest choice you'll ever make is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in that, to relate to him the way that he set it up, and that is read his word. Make sure the word of God is in your life because how can you understand him if you don't know his language? You know, how do you know how much you, he loves you until you read his love letter to you? Does that make sense? When you talk, you know, have you ever talked to someone and and they're saying something and you think they're saying this and you say it back and they're like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this. And it's like, well, I thought you were saying this. And, you know, semantics. And you go back. Here's the thing. You have to be willing to wrestle with the Word of God a little bit. You have to be able to, to work at it just a little to where you, you're reading it and you're studying it to show yourself approved, the workman rightly dividing the Word of truth so that what happens is, is when you diligently seek him through his word, guess what? The Bible says you'll find him. And he's, he's not just going to let you find him. When you make that choice to, 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 if you will, study his word, he doesn't just let you find him. He lets you find him and then he gives you reward. Because the Bible says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants to reward you for choosing him and his ways. How do I know that? Because the scripture we read out of Deuteronomy. I set before you life and death. And he gives you the answer to the test. He's the most awesome teacher there ever was. You all know when you walked into the classroom and the teacher's like, look, I'm going to give you the first five answers and then you got to do good on the rest of the test. And you're like, man, you're the bomb, teach, right? Jesus comes and he says, here's the deal. I set before you life and death. Choose life. It's the only answer to the question of is there life after death? And can I live forever? Yeah, you can, if you choose him. Come on. Amen? Amen. So, I want to show you this video. How many of you ever heard of a guy by the name of Kevin Hart? He's a comedian. He's not, you know, I mean, I've seen a couple of the movies and like, okay, I'm not watching that. Uh, but, there's something about his mom. And she puts before him a choice for blessing, for life. He's got a choice to make to be able to have life over death, blessing over cursing, on and on and on. And she encourages him to read his Bible, and he doesn't want to read his Bible. Why? He's not hanging out with folks that read their Bible. He's hanging out at comedy clubs, and that's what he wanted to do in his life. He wanted to be a comedian, and he's achieved that, but you know, he had convinced his mom, like, hey, this is what I want to do. And his mom said, well, if that's what you want to do, then you know what? You can do that for a year. But if it doesn't work out, you need to do something better with your life. That that that. So I want you to watch this video and think about the importance of making the choice of reading God's word and how much blessing it has to offer you. Please roll the clip. Pretty powerful, huh? Somebody say, that's a good mama. So basically it's... Um getting your priorities straight getting things in the right order the mom had set things up and held his feet to the fire on getting things in right order in other words son I'll help you but this is what I want you to do I want you to choose life now that mom putting rent checks in that Bible does not compare to what God has put in that Bible if you'll read it the blessings that will pour out of that Bible, on your life. And that was the principle that basically his mom was establishing. Your blessing is in here, son. I can help you this far, and that's all I'll commit to do. But God, if you'll get his word first in your life, that's where your blessing is at, is in his word. Can you say amen, saints? So in in getting these priorities straight, if you will, I want to talk about some things we need to do. So on your your, uh, sheets there, if you want to fill these in, We need to choose life versus choosing death. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't follow the ways of this world, follow the ways of God's word. So then uh, the second one, pleasing God versus pleasing people. Very important to get God first. Don't be a people pleaser, be a God pleaser. Galatians 5, 7 says, you were running a good race who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth. This is where Paul, in some of our our first message for the um, Tree of Life series, is that they got into the law rather than God's grace. And when they got into the law, they started seeing that, well, it's what I do that will produce for my life, and the reality was, it's not. You can't do enough good works to inherit what God has to offer you. The only good work that you can do is simply to choose him and allow him to work in your life and put his word in front of you so that those blessings can be poured out on your life. It can be poured out on your marriage. It can be poured out on your children as you're parenting them. Come on, parents. God knows we need his grace on our life raising our children, right? Because every one of us at one time or another said, I brought you in this world, I can take you out. And the problem with that statement, and I've said it many times, I have to admit, like, bang, zoom, you know. Here's the problem with that. It's not true. If you read your Bible, you understand that, that uh, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were ever entrusted to your parents, before it was ever through my creation in your parents to produce you, I knew you and ordained you. I set you apart for himself. And so if we understand that, and I know, I I get it, we're just trying to get them to understand, look, if you keep messing with me, right, I'm going to send you back to the one who made you. That might be a more accurate statement. (laughs) Uh, Following a person versus following a list. Follow the personhood of Jesus Christ. Don't follow a list of rules of do's and don'ts. Let the personhood of Christ in you cause you to live the life of Christ. In other words, from the inside out you live your life, not from the outside in. Don't conform, but be transformed. Can you say amen? Galatians 5, 2-4 says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. What Paul was saying is, is look, and, and he was using that there, that as a standard because that was the first thing that was done. You know, Little boys were circumcised the seventh day. They ended up being the leaders of their household. But you need to understand, while they're babies, y'all are like, oh man, Pastor's talking about circumcision. Oh my gosh, you know. Look, the whole thing was it was a matter of the covenant. And when you understand that sexual immorality was what was used to worship false gods, God comes along and says, basically, that instrument, we're going to deal with that. We're going to deal with the very object of what you do to worship false gods and then what we're going to do is have you dedicate your lives to me your children when they're babies are going to be dedicated to me to worship me to see me as the one true God that's why Paul's referring to this is it was the beginning of the law in those kids lives that it established the law from day seven of their birth that from now on you're going to live by the law And what God comes along and does through Christ is all of a sudden he comes along and he doesn't ask for the circumcision of flesh but the circumcision of your heart. That he wants to cut away the hard flesh. He wants to cut away what keeps you from worshiping him. He wants your heart to be tender toward him. Does that make sense, Saint? And so he's dealing with that and he's saying to him, look, you started following this list over following the personhood of Christ and the relationship that... He died on the cross to provide for you. Now you've chosen to try and keep this list of 600 and something laws, which uh, I don't know about you, but if you've spent time reading the law, it's kind of like, I just don't measure up. Anybody in here perfect? That's what he's saying. You'll never attain that perfection, and, but because you pursue the list over the personhood of Christ, you have condemned yourselves rather than come to that place of being accepted through God's grace. Can you say amen? So being committed to someone versus being committed to something. Listen to this, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Committed to someone versus committed to something. So it's it's something I do versus someone I love. Do you understand? Jesus didn't just do something for us. Jesus did the something for us out of the love that he has for us. The crucifixion was all about the manifestation of God's love towards mankind. John three sixteen. I was teaching this morning in our Connect classes that John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 17, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but sent him into the world to save the world. And when you go back to it, in the beginning... um, uh, uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when you go back and you say that, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, right? And anyone that uh, loveth is born of God. For God is love. So when you understand that love hung himself on a cross, you get that it's not about doing something It's just about relating to someone who cares so much about you. Amen. So what should that produce in our life? It should produce juicy fruit. Say juicy fruit. Every time you go and buy juicy fruit gum, you're going to think about this message. I could have just said the fruit of the Spirit. I understand that. But some juicy fruit in your life is what comes from that. Something that's attractive to people. That the Spirit of God is working in you and they see something in you that's like, man, I... I want that. Look, when you have a confidence, if you ever talk to somebody, it's like, well, after this life, I'm just going to die and, 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 you know, just rot. There's nothing after this life. I don't know about you, but I'm not signing on for that one. they are like, well, how do you know? Well, I know because of what Christ has done. I'm relating to someone, not something. Come on now. I'm relating to someone, and because I'm relating to someone, I know him, and he knows me by name, and has called me by name, and as a result of that, we have relationship. And they think this, cuckoo, right? Because the Bible says that our gospel, if if it is foolishness, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Well, there's nothing after this life, I'm just going to rot. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but those who have placed their faith in Christ have understood and come into relationship with him not because, not even because of the preaching of a man but what it comes down to is because God gives you a revelation of his son. It's the same as Peter walking along with Jesus and he says, who do men say that I am? Some say that you're Elias and John the Baptist come back from the dead. And, and Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon, bar Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood... A man, a woman, no flesh and blood has revealed this to you, but the Father which is in heaven has revealed the Son to you, and as a result of that, you have inherited eternal life. You guys are, are you okay with me preaching a little? I'm going to try and wrap this up and still get you out on time. Hallelujah. You're happy about that. It's a pretty day out there. Juicy fruit, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, debauchery, excuse me, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty much the way our society looks today. Amen? It looks that way, doesn't it? And I'm telling you now, the, the more it starts to look like Sodom and Gomorrah, the more it starts to look like the days of Noah, Jesus says this, the end times will be as it was in the times of Noah. Men will be marrying and drinking and giving in marriage and so on and so forth. They'll be going along like nothing's ever going to happen. But those of us, we know the signs of the times. You know, Pastor, are you saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow? I have no idea. He says no man knows the day or the hour. But you can discern the weather by looking at the clouds in the sky, you can discern the weather by the lightning and the thunder. Paraphrase. But, you know, it comes down to this. You can't discern the signs of the times of what's going on in your society, of how the end will come. Jesus has given us enough to know that the time is near. Look, the disciples in, in you know, you're talking about the apostles of Christ, they thought it was close then. 2,000 plus years ago, They're like, man, soon and very soon he's coming back. Well, there's nobody in here going to live for 2,000 years. So I don't know what soon and very soon looks like to you, but 2,000 years seems long and very long, right? But when you measure it in the light of eternity, soon and very soon. And every generation has a soon and very soon. Your soon and very soon lasts for about 70, 100 years probably max, is how long you're soon and very soon. And that's soon and very soon. I'm 43 years old and here's what I know. My life is ticking away very fast. <laughs> I'm looking at it and I'm saying, wow, I've got less time probably here. Because Here's the deal for me, right? I, my wife doesn't like it, but I'm there. I, if I'm gumming my food and y'all gotta, you all got to know, bathe me and do all that for me, now God bless those who want to do that. I'm not, I don't have any issue with that. I don't want to do that. Not when I got heaven to look forward to, streets of gold to walk on, Peter to hang out with, David to hang out with, and God bless you all, I love you, I'll see you there, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Look, I'll, I'll do my run as long as that is, but when it's my time to go, don't cry for me. I'm rejoicing for that day, even now. I rejoice for that day. Why? This world has nothing for me. It's got my wife and my kids, and I, I love them. i got a grandkid coming, and I'm going to love that grandbaby like nobody's business. But here's the deal. When it comes to Jesus parting the clouds and coming back for me, it's like, coming home, coming home, never more to Rome, you know? I'm not going to have a problem with it. I'm not going to be like, man, Jesus, I mean, you, know, you could have given me another day. That's not going to be there for me. But I'll tell you what my heart will break for. Those who think the gospel is foolishness. Those who are perishing. And if God tarries, the Bible says this, if he tarries, it's for our benefit that he tarries. Why? Because he's not willing that any would perish, but all would come to everlasting life. And when God looks over this earth, he's going to know the moment when nobody else is going to turn their heart to him. One of the greatest challenges of being a Christian, when you think about making choices, when you think about the choice of being a witness to people, when you think about the choice of sharing your faith in Christ and your testimony of what God's done in your life, no matter how small you may think that is, it's not. It's eternal. That's as big as it gets. Can somebody say amen in the house? And when you think about doing that, that it comes down to this, it comes down to that, that that sharing of that testimony may be a fearful thing It may be hard to step out and share with somebody that their life might be changed by the same message that changed your life, but that's probably their only hope. Somebody's got to share. Somebody shared it with me. Did somebody share it with you? And we're somebody's witness. We're a witness of Christ, but we're also a witness to them of what God can do in their life. Amen? So we want juicy fruit, Galatians 5:20, we want to stay away from those things. We don't want to practice those other things in Galatians 5:19 through21. why? Because you don't inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5:22 through23, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such, there is no law. You want to know what a walk with Christ looks like? Right there it is. You get gone and it's like, I hate somebody. Well, guess what? You're going to have to deal with that and love them. Come on now. You got to. Why? Because if you hate, according to Galatians five nineteen through 21, you don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Come on now. It's true. I'm telling you this whole thing of where we, we well, I'll deal with it tomorrow, I'll deal with it tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. There's no waiting till tomorrow when you have conviction today. The Bible says, do not harden your heart in the day of provocation in, in the King James. When the Spirit of God is provoking you. Here's what that means. Where's, is waiting on it? Seth, would you come here? Now this is pretty tough to deal with because you can't, you can't really imagine God like this. Um, you can go down here, I'm going to kind of come over in the middle. Any of you dads ever had that moment with your son? You know, like where it's, you know, his britches are getting too big. Dads, come on, help me out here if that's true. I mean, you know, they start to tell you how it is, and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, when did I become the designated idiot around here? Let's just have a (laughs) right? Let's have a come to Jesus meeting here, you know. I remember one time, Wade, poor Wade, I'm gonna lay him out here and flame in front of everybody. I remember one time with Wade and I, we had that moment, he's gotta mow the grass, he's like, man, he's got attitude about it, slams the door. And I'm in the garage, <laughs> and uh, here's what happens. It's like that moment, right, when, okay, his britches are getting a little too big for him. He's slamming the doors of my house, and he doesn't want to earn his keep. If you, He doesn't want to learn to work and take care of what he has, right? And so uh, he slams the door. He's getting the mower, and I just walk over to the garage door opener, and I push it, and it's going... Mm, it's getting dark in there because you won't have lights on he's like what are you doing and I'm like we're gonna talk (laughs) okay you ever have one of those moments with God when he's got you he's got your number right and he's like hey we're gonna talk you're like do we have to right now and what's known as the fear of the Lord comes over you and you're like you know what I know I need to be doing the right thing and I'm not I gotta get this right and God has done something by the Holy Spirit, and here's what here's what happened for Wade and I. We're talking. He's like, he's all like, "What? Do that for me? What? What?" And it, and so I didn't hurt him. I just needed him to understand whose britches were bigger at this point in time, right? No, I'm not going to throw you. Okay. I just kind of he's standing just standing straight like this, and and I just kind of like, well, I'm going to talk to you and i'm putting my finger in his chest and we're going to talk about and he's like dad what are you doing <laughs> and i said you need to understand in my home you're going to show respect and you're going to honor because if you begin to live a life of dishonor and disrespect to the people who love you most and do the most for you and care about you and listen i will give my life for my kids thank you seth I would give my life for my kids. I have no question about it. I would, I would walk in traffic for them. If someone came in my home, I wouldn't be running and hiding somewhere. I'd be telling them to go put themselves in a safe situation, and I'm going to town with whoever's come in my home. You all understand where I'm coming from here. Amen. That's what God did. That's what he did, and that's who he is to us, and that's how much he cares about us. Talking about checks in a Bible, talking about blessings to fall out. So don't harden your heart Don't harden your heart when he starts poking in there and provoking you. That's what that is. It's a provoking. It's a challenging. This is what I'm asking you to do. He's not being mean. He's just being very, very clear. Isn't that what we're doing, dads, when we do that? Dads, come on now. You're leaving me up here by myself. Is that not what we're doing? We're trying to teach our kids, you know? You're all like, man, that is one mean pastor up there. I tell you what. I wouldn't want to be his kid. My kids, uh, they know I love them. But they also know that I'm not going to mess around with stuff that is dangerous to them. That's really what God's saying in these two passages. He's telling us don't mess around. When the Holy Spirit, like, don't mess around with that kind of stuff because you won't inherit the kingdom of God. He's not mincing words. He's being very clear. He's saying you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You won't enter in. And then he comes and says, but here's what you're meant to walk in. So, uh, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Number one, be filled with the Spirit. Galatians five sixteen. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful natures. E- 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 Ephesians five eighteen. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Two, understand the battle on the inside. Understand the the Spirit warring against the flesh. Galatians 5, 17, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Paul the Apostle said it this way, When I want to do right, how do I end up doing the wrong thing? Now we can take great comfort in Paul the Apostle, who more than two-thirds of the New Testament was provided to us, be it penned by Luke or Paul himself, and uh, you know, that, that, that happens, and John helps sometimes, and, and, and here all this comes, and he's communicating two thirds of what we are at the New Testament church. And, and, and when you think about that, Paul the Apostle refers to himself as the chief among sinners. And in that, what he's recognizing is the place of humility that without God, without God, where but for the grace of God? Go. We, we would not have any hope of entering into the kingdom of heaven if it wasn't for the grace of God through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. So never, ever, ever. Say that with me. Never, ever, ever lose perspective. Say that one too. Lose perspective of who you need to have relationship with. <laughs> that one was the most important part. Of who you need to have relationship with. Jesus, you guys, that's what it comes down to. Have a great relationship with him. Number three, Number three. kill my old sin nature daily. Galatians 5, 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. If we belong to him, we crucify that. We put it under, we do not give way to it. Matthew 16, 24 through 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. If you remember the paradox of life. We did a a number of months ago. We did a series on the paradox of life. That when you choose to give your life up and accept his. That you're actually gaining life. You're not losing anything at all. You're gaining all the more. And number four in closing. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25, and it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Simply put, here's what it comes down to. It's that still small voice. that We develop that relationship where we're hearing the Spirit of God. We read the Word of God, but then we hear that connection with Him that, that prompts us, and and we just know in our inner man that, man, that's something I think God is speaking to me, then don't uh, don't harden your heart when he's provoking you. Don't harden your heart when he's challenging you. Don't harden your heart toward him when he's asking you to take a step, a step of faith, a step of sacrifice, a step of change, a step to choose, to make better choices in life. You know, here's the deal. I don't think anybody chooses to come to church because they, they're, they're, they're looking to do life more difficult or they're looking to, you know, do things that, you know, are going to create problems for them. They come to church because they recognize that the message speaks to the elements of decisions we make in life. Well, the greatest thing you can do is put the Word of God at first place. Lord, would you begin to play and would you stand to your feet? Here's... I think the number one thing for me, and, and I've told you guys many times, it's that chair in the corner in the morning. It's that spot where first thing in the morning when I wake up, I don't, I don't talk to anybody else. I don't do anything else. Well, I, I'm going to have to admit, I go to the coffee machine and I make myself a cup of coffee, and then I go to my chair with my Bible, and I sit in that chair it can be anywhere from, because I'll get up at anywhere from 4 to 5 o'clock in the morning, and so wherever it is, when I wake up, I go to that chair and I sit there. It can last for a half hour, it can last for an hour. I've had it last up to two hours because that's pretty early in the morning. In other words, I've chosen to do it at a time where nothing else can interrupt me with God. I'm not telling you you've got to get up at 4 in the morning. What I'm saying is somehow you've got to make God your number one priority. You got, you got to have him in your life. And if you don't take the time to sit down with him, I mean, think about it. Would you feel cared for by somebody that doesn't want to spend time with you? And yet God waits. He waits to spend time with us. He longs to spend time with us. And I find it interesting that he left that choice up to us. He asks for it, but yet we get to choose whether or not we do it. And I'll say this. And when it comes to making that choice right, you know, when Kevin Hart's mom, she got it. It's like you want the rent, then you make the first choice, the right choice first. Read your Bible. Now I would just challenge you, read your Bible. Get in the Word of God and watch it begin to work for your life. And I'm not going to promise you you're going to go home, you're going to open your Bible today, and six rent checks are going to fall out of it for you. But I do promise you this, if you diligently seek him, you will find him, and I guarantee he will perform his word towards you to reward you. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, God, that it's not just a, a cold book with words written on it, but God, it is a living, breathing love letter to each and every one of us. I pray we'd open it and read it that way, even though sometimes we read things that like, man, that doesn't seem like love. God, I pray that we would allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us so we would understand. We would understand fully. And Father, that we'd spend lots of time in the Gospels to truly understand what it is to walk and live in grace because of the gift that Jesus has given us in salvation. And I pray for every member of our church today. And God, I ask for your blessings on their marriages. I ask your blessings on their families. I ask your blessings on their work. I pray what they put their hand to, God, you would bless it. And Lord, you would raise them up for all around them to see, just like Joseph, Father. Whether he was in a prison, Potiphar's house, or called out to to be in Pharaoh's house. That Father, there might have been times of testing but because Joseph remained faithful and made the right choices. God, every time you raised him up out of that, he was second only to the the king. What's amazing, Lord, is that you've seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, second to none, because he is the Joseph. And I pray we'd follow his example in our choices, so that, Father, we would experience the blessings that come with being seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And everybody in the house said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.